special delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Wouldn't feel right if we didn't put a bow on this Minnesota Wild season, tie it up after Game 7, Wild versus Vegas. Wild lose 6-2. to two. Disappointing end to this series, no doubt, but a lot of big-picture takeaways from this, and I, I want to talk to uh, Sarah McClellan here, our Wild beat writer, in just a little bit. Kind of get some... You know, kind of get some bigger picture questions about this roster answered for you guys. You know, what 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 did we learn? What do we learn about this team in the playoffs this year? What do we want to know going forward? And uh, what, you know, what needs to improve if this is going to be more than just a nice little story? Um, you know, of a team that you know took a team took to, took Vegas to a seventh game. What what needs to happen in the next one, two, three years um, to, to to really see this through into into some better times? So. Sarah and I will try to get to some of those questions in a little bit. Um, first, I got some thoughts on the game. Um, you know, it's still fresh. Recording this not too long after it ended on Friday night. Long holiday weekend coming up, so you know, just didn't want this to sit there and not, you know, not get talked about for three, four days. So, hopped on for just a minute here. I think you know the story of this game was Vegas probably played its best game of the series. Um, maybe they had a little bit more possession time in Game Five, so you could argue that you know the result in that game going to the Wild um, maybe you know was not uh, you know not not quite what was entirely fair. But Game Seven, they had plenty of the possession, they had plenty of the scoring chances, and in terms of cashing in their opportunities, they did the best at that in this game. It was their most complete game, I thought, from start to finish. And, you know, I don't know if it was the, the, the Wild's worst game of the series. I don't, I don't know if I'd go out and say that. Uh, I would say that Cam Talbot was human in this game. He, he'd been great almost all series, um, kept, them in, kept them in things, stole game five, absolutely, you know, had two shutouts in their two other wins. So, you know, maybe he was, he was due uh, to come back to earth a little bit, but he, he did a little bit in this game. Not that they helped him out a ton, but, you know, there was probably a couple that he wishes he had back. And, you know, that's just life. The, you know, Wes Walls was on this show earlier, earlier Friday, you know, talking about how the, the goalie that played the best was probably going to, that was probably going to be the key to this game. And, you know, while Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't spectacular, he made the saves he needed to make, especially when the game was tighter early in the game and, and kind of kept this thing, kept this thing in check, never let the wild get the lead. You know, wild did come back twice from early deficits to get, you know, to get back tied, but never able to get that lead. And that was a big key. One more thing to it. Second period was the killer. Again, we've talked about this over and over with this series. It's been a problem all season long for the wild, but again, this, this game Vegas outscores the wild in the second period, three goals to one. And Vegas gets the first goal in the second period, makes it two one. You get the Kirill Kaprizov, tying goal looks like okay maybe they're going to be able to withstand this second period problem but instead Vegas gets two more in the period to take that 4-2 lead into the end of the second period in that 6-2 win second period told the story pretty much every single game of this series when the Wild was able to more or less hold serve in that period which has been a problem all year they were outscored by 15 goals in the second period during the regular season much better in the first and third period and it's not just a fluke you know the, the Wild as good as they were this year they're not a maximum skill team. Vegas is a more skilled team. Vegas has better players able to, uh, you know, able to control possession. And when you get that long change in the second period, that is going to benefit better skilled players on teams that can cycle the puck, can tire you out, and get those goals like that. So, in you know, in the games the Wild won, game one, scoreless second period. 
Game 5, they were able to withstand an absolute barrage by Vegas, only gave up the one goal and still maintained a 3-2 lead going into that third period when they were able to escape with that 4-2 win. Game 6, same thing. Scoreless second period, carried it scoreless into the third while they were able to get those goals in the third to make it a, to make it a seventh game. All four games the Vegas that Vegas won, Vegas scored outscored the Wild 10-2 in the second period and took leads in the second period in all four of those games. Uh, it, it tells the story. That's just it. What do the Wild do to solve that? Uh, they get better. They get better quality players. That's just it. And they kind of got to go through it. They got to got to learn. You know what it takes to to kind of persevere through those through those second periods. Those those long changes as they are, where where the the bench is further away from their defensive zone. You can't just you know, have the easier dump in from the from neutral, you know, get it out to neutral zone and, and play that way. So that's going to be something for them to solve going forward, that there's, there's something that there's something there that they need to absolutely fix, whether it's system-wise or player-wise, and it bit them in this series. But that as much as that told the story of the series, it's just the story within the story of the series, which is that Vegas was the better team. Big picture-wise, I think this was still a good season for the Wild. I think they overachieved in the regular season to a certain degree, certainly benefited from playing in a division that, you know, had some bad teams in it. They they feasted on some of those bad teams, but they played the better teams pretty well too. They played Vegas really well in the regular season. They they showed up against Colorado when they had to, struggled a little late against St. Louis, but, you know, that was kind of when things were more or less, you know, decided at the end. So I will be interested to see when they go back to a regular schedule, when they're when they're playing you know, a wider variety of teams, how that shakes out. But I did think they overachieved in this regular season and in getting Vegas to a seventh game, I think that was, that qualifies as a slight overachievement in the playoffs. I think you could have made the case that they, they certainly could have won this series. And obviously when they're only a game away, they could have, but if you look at it, Vegas was the better team to take a better team to a game seven. Uh, that shows me something about this team. It doesn't mean anything next year. They still have to prove it all over again. They still have to get better, but I think this was still a quality season for the Wild, no doubt about it. Exceeded expectations in both the regular season and the playoffs, and I'll be interested to see where they go from here. Enjoy your money your way when you switch to Royal Credit Union. You can pay friends and family for free, deposit checks on the go, and even get alerts about your accounts sent in real time. Stop in and open your account today or get started at rcu.org slash your way. Insured by NCUA. A lot of that has to do with the roster construction they will do going forward. Sarah McClellan joins me right now to help break that down. Sarah, thanks for joining me. Wild season, a big success during the regular season, and I wouldn't even say playoff disappointment necessarily. I think they just ran into a better team uh, in Vegas. But I'm curious from your perspective, what do you first off, what do you think we learned about this team, you know, beyond the regular season, what do we learn from the playoffs that makes you think, ah, okay, this, this needs to be tweaked. That needs to be tweaked versus, um, you know, we still, if you're Bill Guerin, we still like this about this team, stay the course. What do we learn, I guess, from the playoffs? Well, the playoffs are different. I think that's what stood out is, you know, really no matter what happens in the regular season, the playoffs are just at a different level. And I think you've seen that like across the NHL landscape. When you look at series and teams that have had success, it doesn't necessarily matter who was the, you know, the better seed or who had the better regular season. I think especially in this season, maybe where there's especially more familiarity in this division format between teams, um, the teams that seem to be 
battle tested and that have that experience in the playoffs seem to have, you know, had that edge, you know, I think particularly of like the Winnipeg Edmonton series, you know, Edmonton had this terrific regular season, you know, the top two scores in the league and, you know, they were swept by a team in the jets that has been there, that has been, you know, on these playoff runs, just kind of knows what it takes. And I think that was really clear too, that, you know, you would see in some of these games, you know, where the wild would be trailing, late in the game and in the regular season, those third period deficits, you know, seemed like nothing. Like it was very easy. It looked at times for them to just kind of turn it on and, and come from behind. And, you know, you saw, you know, like in games two and three, it, it, it was tougher. It, it just, it, it's a different magnitude and level in the playoffs. And so part of that just is experience, you know, part of that is just going through it. But I think also you can, you know, kind of build your roster to have success at that time of year. And I think that's where depth really plays a part in that, you know, I think you saw, you know, with how Vegas played, especially early in the seat in the series, you know, not having match Max Pacioretty on the ice, you know, it was a team that was still finding ways to score and win um, because of the contributions that were coming lower in the lineup. It wasn't all Mark Stone and Alex Tuck. Um, and so I think, you know, looking at the roster, you know, you can see where area is to improve and I think that depth up the middle becomes key especially in the playoffs not so much just you know for scoring but you see how face-offs become so magnified and winning a draw you know whether to set up an offensive play or you know to win possession in the defensive zone and get a much needed clear um so I think you know the center ice position was always and continues to always it seems like be under the microscope for the wild but I think in the playoff center depth becomes even more key and just you know yeah lower in the lineup um you know I think a lot of times it can play out that the top two lines can kind of neutralize each other and then it's up to three and four to potentially have the opportunity to decide series so you know I don't think that should be an afterthought you know for organizations that are trying to beef up and kind of tailor their lineup to have success later in the season is you know who are on those lines and who you know shows and has you know what appears to be the skill set to deliver at that time of year. Given that and given, you know, we get into a little bit of big picture stuff and it's a, it's a flat cap year that they're coming up on with the salary cap. They've got some, you know, some, some guys that need to get paid. They've got, you know, some decisions to make roster wise. How do you, you know, without, you know, maybe kind of preliminarily putting on your general manager hat, I'm sure Bill Guerin hasn't gone through all of these scenarios and, and decided exactly what he wants to do, but there's some some bigger decisions looming. You've got, you know, expansion coming up too. Like, how do you, how do you at least kind of maintain the quality you had on this roster when you're not going to be able to spend a lot of money and you're going to have increased expectations next year based on, you know, taking a step forward this year? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I, I think it always was regardless of how the season played out just because of, you know, whose contracts were expiring. And this was always to me kind of set up to be a transitional year because of the players that came in last offseason, you know, with one year left on their deals, you know, the Marcus Johansson's Nick Bonino's Nick Bugstad's. Um, so I think there's assessments obviously to be made there. Um, but obviously the big, you know, key signings are, 
the top three goal scorers. It's Kirill Kaprizov, Kevin Fiala, and Yul Eriksson Ek. Um, and so those are going to be important and key. And I think what's unique, you know, especially, um, you know, is the arbitration potential there as well. Um, but, you know, those are the priorities and all three of them clearly, you know, had tremendous regular seasons. Uh, like I said, the top three goal scores, it, it very much looks like that's now this core of this offense. That's where, you know, the scoring revolves around what those three can create. Um, so I think it's obviously pivotal to, to lock them up and sign them. And, you know, that's going to probably be a big chunk of the budget, you know, as we look now, you know, I'm looking at capfriendly.com and, and, you know, in the flat cap era, you know, it looks right now that there's, you know, just shy of maybe 18 million in cap space. So you think of those three um, and any other kind of tweaking, you know, that that might actually be minimal at this point, you know, with the contracts that those three are probably likely to merit, especially coming off like, you know, career type years for Erickson Eck, Fiala scores, you know, 20 goals. Uh, again this season and, and then obviously a breakout you know campaign for Kaprizov in his first NHL season um, which is obviously likely to land him you know more accolades you know as the front runner of the Calder trophy for rookie of the year so there's gonna have to be some decision making and I think part of that too will, will probably stem from how much or how many maybe young players this team feels are ready to slot into the lineup. Um, you know, and so maybe it is a more youthful look next season. Um, but you're right. I, I think too, you know, aside from the dollars and cents of it, you know, I think part of the lens too of, of, you know, the off season maneuvering, you know, is probably taking that next step and, and complementing this group, um, you know, in a way that it, it can continue to kind of go up the staircase and continue this evolution. That's obviously, you know, started um, and, you know, underway under the direction of general manager, Bill Guerin. You talked about some young players. You talked about quality play up the middle. Marco Rossi could, solve a lot of problems if he was really good right away, but that's a lot to ask of someone. Matt Boldy, same thing. How big of a role do you think we should anticipate for guys like that? And you know, how organizationally, how, how ready do you think they are uh, to, to kind of hand those guys the, the keys, not just as a, Hey, come to camp and see if you make it, but boy, top nine job is, is yours if you can handle it. You know, that'll be interesting to watch. And I think, you know, how they prepare in the off season and come into training camp will probably be a big part of that. I think too, for us to kind of decide and kind of gauge their readiness. But um, I think too, you know, though clearly I think the organization has been patient and I think, you know, we've seen that they haven't, you know, necessarily tried to rush anybody in and, you know, I, you know, with Ross Rossi's situation in particular, obviously seeing how he feels and rebounds after his complications um, with COVID-19. Um, but still, you know, I think that is also probably, you know, if we talk about this last season, this past one being this transitional year, this is probably another crossroads, you know, for, for next season of just in terms of, okay, when, when do you kind of, have that handoff and give more of the reins to the youth. Um, you know, it's obviously a pipeline that has been stockpiled, 
you know, Matt Boldy, a first round pick, Marco Rossi, um, and even the players that are developing in Iowa, you know, a Kalen Addison, um, is he ready, you know, potentially to take another step in his pro career after, you know, a solid uh, pro debut in the minors? Um, I think that's probably one of the next big, you know, questions that this team has to ask itself and answer in terms of, okay, when is it time to start kind of passing the torch, so to speak. Um, and, and maybe it is incremental, you know, maybe it is, you know, a, a position here or there. Um, you know, I, I think that's just kind of that next step in the life cycle. And, and, you know, to your point, it probably a lot will be determined by how these players show up, um, you know, what type of impression they make. Um, but clearly, you know, they were drafted and developed for this reason. Eventually, it's, it's probably got to be time to see what they can do and see how they can mesh and help this lineup. But I think that's the other probably side of this of this being a key off season is, is figuring out um, how much help could come from the youth in the organization. Aside from, you know, just the, the emergence of some of these players that we talked about already, Kaprizov having a huge impact, you know, even before the season started, we didn't really know what to expect of this team. I don't think a lot of, outside expectations were, were really high. I mean, making the playoffs in, in a format like this, even if it's 16 teams, like it usually is, maybe wasn't as daunting when you looked at how the division stacked up and you're like, okay, there's probably going to be some weaker teams. The wild could be, you know, in the mix, at least for a four seed, but they, you know, they're, they're competitive with Colorado and Vegas throughout the course of the season. What, what in your estimation after covering, you know, pretty much every single game this team played this year, what was the defining characteristic that made this a season that even though it fell short in the playoffs was such an overwhelming success, particularly in the regular season? I think a lot of it stems from Kirill Kaprizov. I think he, you know, has just taken this team in an organization by storm and, you know, it's, you know, it's a team sport, you know, and, and he doesn't, he doesn't play goal. He doesn't stand up on the blue line as a defenseman, but I, I think he's just one of those talents and we we've seen it happen elsewhere in the league. You see when a Sidney Crosby gets drafted, you see when an Alex Ovechkin and a Connor McDavid, um, you know, take their teams over. Um, and, and I think, you know, Kirill Kaprizov has done that for the wild. He has um, just kind of rejuvenated this franchise and, with his skill set, with his goal scoring ability, with his playmaking, um, the fact that he came in as advertised, I think just completely set the tone for this season. And yeah, there was, you know, he had help, obviously, you know, this was a team I think that was very in sync with each other. I think that's something else that stood out is everyone kind of found their niche and found their role. And there was a lot of definition, I feel like within this lineup, um, you know, Cam Talbot comes in and, and plays well in his first season as a free, after being a free agent acquisition, um, you know, you have a breakout season season from Yul Eriksson-Eck where he looks like that bona fide center um, that can dominate at both ends of the ice and just be a handful and Kevin Fiala continues to take strides so that you know there was a lot of I think ingredients coming together but I think it all starts with Kaprizov and if you ask what's different about the wild from you know 2019-20 to 2020-21 it's him he he is that factor and so, you know, I, I think that stood out the most to me is how he kind of came in and just provided a lift. And I think that lift was contagious. And you just got the feeling that, you know, even if the Wild was down and like we talk about these third period comebacks, 
I, I think he gave a lot to that. You know, whether or not he was scoring or finishing, there was a swagger about this team. There was a confidence. And you might say, well, why? Like, this was a team that, you know, had its struggles last season. Uh, its coach was fired. You know, it, it got, you know, ejected from the bubble playoffs in four games. Like, how did they have this attitude and demeanor? And I think Kaprizov came in and helped set that tone. Obviously, you know, it's not a one-man team. It's not a one-man crew. But I think his addition just kind of changed that vibe and um, probably validated or vindicated this change that has been going on in the organization. And, you know, you see Jared Spurgeon now as captain and Marcus Foligno playing such a prominent role for this team on the ice as a leader. Um, it just feels new. And I think for a wild franchise that has been looking for something um, you know, to kind of kickstart it and get it going in that direction. Um, you know, I think that was probably very positive and encouraging from that franchise bird's eye view level. Plenty of other looming questions potentially as well. You got expansion, so they're going to probably lose a, you know, a player that they would like to keep in under ideal circumstances, but that's, you know, something that's every team's going to have to deal with. And, you know, perhaps, and this is probably a question for another day, but uh, perhaps there's a Zach Parisi question at some point as well, given the season he had, the ups and downs, the contract, the four years he still has left on it, the no move. Um, that, that's going to be a, a dicey one, whether he's here long-term or not and how they navigate that going forward. But overall, like you said, a, a good season for this team an unexpected success in the regular season. And I think, you know, something you said at the, at the jump here really resonates. The playoffs are just different and they're going to have to figure out kind of, how they have, how they're able to make that difference if they're going to take another step at this organization. Yeah, that's fair. And, and, you know, a lot of it comes from just going through it and it takes time and it's, it's not something you can just flip a switch. And, you know, even though, you know, the team did bring in players with Stanley cup pedigree, I still, I think is, you know, teams still have to go through that together. You know, and like I said, I think you're seeing that across the playoffs, you know, a Winnipeg team that's been together, that's been through it. Um, you know, you're just, you just see it. It just translates and it's different. And, you know, I think what the team accomplished this season and, um, you know, the regular season success, that's all helpful. And I think that all kind of can help build, um, you know, to continue the evolution. Like I said, that this team is, is set up for, and it's all part of the life cycle. Plenty more to come. Sarah McClellan, great stuff. Good coverage all season. Thanks for joining me so many times here on Daily Delivery, and we will surely talk again soon. Sounds good. Final thought on Zach Parisi. We didn't really get into it too much, uh, Sarah McClellan and I, but he absolutely showed up in the, in the final three games of this series. You look at it, he had you know the, the go-ahead goal in game five that gave them momentum, helped them steal that game had the uh, the play along the wall that, that was the assist that led to the go-ahead goal in game in game six. He scored a goal again here in game seven that uh, that tied the game. So, you know, Zach Parise, he's, he's got a role on this team if they want to have him. He still is a quality potential top nine forward. Let's not forget, he led the Wild in goals the two previous seasons before this one. And then whatever happened, happened, you know, between him, between management with Dean Evason, whatever happened, happened. I don't know if that's fixable long-term, whether what he did in the playoffs gives him more of a role next season, whether this is just unfixable and they need to figure out a way to move him out of here. But uh, that, that's a big question they got to solve in this offseason. But I thought the way he played in the playoffs in those last three games after being a scratch in the first three 
showed something that maybe he's still got a role in this team. But again, we'll have to see that going forward. Thanks for joining me here. Again, Michael Rand on Daily Delivery Special Edition here. We'll be back at it on Tuesday. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll check you again on Tuesday. 